Hey guys, I'm here today with none other than Paul Dunn. He's a four times TEDx speaker, a senior fellow in one of the world's leading think tanks, and consults and mentors some of the leading edge businesses around the world. He was honored as a social innovation fellow in his new home of Singapore, something he shares with the film star and philanthropist Jet Li and the Walmart chairman Rob Walton. He's one of the first 10 people in Hewlett Packard in Australia. He then created one of Australia's first computer companies and then the Results Corporation, where he helped develop and grow 23,000 small and medium scale business enterprises. His training programs are used by an estimated 226,000 companies around the world and he continues to push the boundaries. He was featured in Forbes magazine alongside Sir Richard Branson in a global piece on disruptors in business. He is currently the chairman of B1G1, Business for Good, the Global Giving Initiative. That has already enabled businesses to create over 175 million giving impacts globally. He travels close to 800,000 miles each year, speaking around the world, and he tells us his baggage goes twice as fast. Twice as fast. <laughs> My friend, that is one hell of a write-up. <laughs> Josh, thank you, and uh, a delight to be chatting with you. Thank you for inviting me. Most welcome, Paul. I'd want to get back, to, get back to the basics. Get back to when you first started in business, started your career. So I'm, my understanding is Hewlett Packard was your first gig then out of out of um, education. Yes, it was. Yeah, I got headhunted, and uh, they, you know, I flew from the United Kingdom, which is where I was born, into Australia. You know, because the streets were paved with gold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got very lucky, you know, to be uh, part of uh, one of the first 10 in HP it was like amazing. And in fact, it was interesting. I, I was on a plane, uh, so I was speaking in, in Silicon Valley about eight weeks ago. And on the way there, uh, I happened to watch a documentary, you know, on the, uh, on the uh, airline video. And it was a documentary on Silicon Valley, funnily enough. And it, it made the point that the whole Silicon Valley stuff that we know today was actually created by Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard. Way mm, that's right. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I mean, it was amazing to be with those, you know, entrepreneurs and, and to share some of their wisdom uh, way back when. I mean, it's a great all, the, place all the existing big companies have been ex-employees of Hewlett Packard, aren't they? As far as my understanding is. Again? of the big companies currently are ex Hewlett Packard employees. They went off. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of us have uh, had that uh, background. Of course, Steve Jobs was uh, was there at the time that I was there as well. Uh, I, I, we we didn't know each other, but he was working on it on the same project. But he was working on it in Palo Alto. He was there just as an intern. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, it, it has some history. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, so what happened here on Packard? How did you go from working the, as one of the team members to growing well, I, this I, massive I, I, company? I wrote, sure, I, I, <laughs> I wrote some software which happened to be for accountants, which had never been done before. And that, because at that point, HP was not the HP that you now know. It was, it was more about scientific instruments and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and uh, that became very successful and so then I left HP to create uh, a company together with a friend of mine David Hartley um, and we grew that company uh, to and I'm talking uh, I'm talking about the 80s here to a 21 sorry 23 million dollar company um, 
uh, in those days, and again, doing extraordinary things, you know. And, I've got to ask, and, how old were you at the time? Uh, well, now let me see. Uh, let me do the calculation on that. So, uh, well, let me put it to you this way. I was born in 1943. There you go. So that, okay. that sort of dates everything right back from there. So, um, so yeah. And then, um, in, uh, you know, I was doing that. We had uh, 150 people in the team. And then one day I got a call from someone uh, in Brisbane, actually. And, uh, and this person said, a lady called Tammy, she said, well, I want you to come to this particular seminar. And I said, I remember saying, Tammy, why, why would I, Tammy, why would I want to go to a seminar? Look at this, we're doing $23 million. I got 150 people. And she actually said, I'm not, I, I am not making this up. She actually said, I will rip your bloody arms off if you don't come. I'm not kidding you. That's exactly what she said. Um, and so I went. And uh, I remember I was sitting next to Serena Russo, who a lot of your listeners would know. And uh, there were about 600 people in the room. And, uh, we'd all paid about $600 to be there. And it was Jim Rohn, the late, great James Rohn. Um, and uh, I have to say that uh, uh, Rohn, in, in terms of the quote-unquote performance, if you like, as a, as a speaker, I didn't find particularly captivating, but what I found captivating was what he said. And his content has always been, his delivery oh, of content has always been dry, but his content so dry. is amazing. Uh, Mr. Show and all of that kind of stuff, right? And, um, but it, it hit me. And uh, that day, I literally, that evening, I literally called up my colleagues in the computer company and I said, guys, I'm not going to be here because uh, uh, I've just seen what I should be doing. Um, and uh, this was a turning uh, point for you. No, you know, huge turning point. So, was, imagine you're quite young, you're making trees want to be good money. <laughs> I'll put you at that point. Well, it was, there you go. You can do the dates for yourself. It was the 6th of December, 1980. And uh, then in uh, 1981, actually, on the 1st of April, I created Results Corporation, and that was the start of uh, another, you know, huge kind of leap. And then... Uh, and the, this 23 number is an interesting number because we ended up by 1990, we had 23,000 small to medium scale businesses that we had the privilege of serving. Um, and and uh, that was when I realized that those 23,000 SMEs all had accountants, right? And so then happened to figure out, thanks to a very good friend of mine, who, who told me I was stupid working with SMEs, and he said, what you've got to realize is that they've all got accountants. I go, ah, so they have. And so what would happen if we rejigged everything that we had that would actually enable the accountants to be the hero, that would enable them to turn themselves from being reporters of history to creators of history uh, for their selected clients. And a lot of people grabbed that. In fact, uh, by the time I sold all of my business enterprises way up to the year 2000, that was when I did that, um, we were working with uh, 17,700 accounting firms um, who came through a program which is called the Accountants Bootcamp. And that was amazing. You know? And uh, so I still have that kind of link back into accounts. A lot of people think that I'm an accountant. No, 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 I'm not an accountant. And, and, and I think that's really interesting, actually, because, um, you know, a friend of mine puts it this way. He says, perspective is looking at things from a place where you're not. I love that. I love that quote. Because, of course, you can never be at a place where you're not. 
And so what that enabled me to do was to have a perspective on that profession that you couldn't have had if you were part of it, if you know what I mean. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so then, you know, I sold everything, uh, retired, theoretically, uh, went to, uh, yeah. I, I, so I went 40, to is this say roughly 40s, you're retired and yeah, trying yeah. to find a new purpose? Yeah, but you probably get that it was hard for me to do that. That was really tough, actually, even though it was beautiful to be living in France. And so, and I was, I was tied up with all sorts of legal things that I was not allowed to do anymore because, you know, I'd sold everything. Yeah, you know, I'm getting back into business, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to, you know, speak under the radar as it was. Uh, and, and then in 2007, I had uh, a critical moment and, Someone said to me not that long ago that, you know, where we are today is just a result of all those critical moments that we've had. And so this was one. That was when I met the co-founder of, of B1G1, or Buy One, Give One, as it was at that time. That's Masami, Masami Sato. And she had this, uh, you know, there I was mentoring her, and she, she had this uh, amazing, <laughs> normally it's the, it's the mentor who asks the questions, but this particular day she asked me a question. Um, and uh, she had this tiny little business uh, serving uh, gluten-free frozen food. Um, and uh, she asked me, she, here's the question. She said, uh, imagine a world like this. And I said, like what? And she said, well, imagine if every time business was done, something great happened in our world. And I thought, well, okay, well, what would that look like? And she said, and she said, by the way, I've got a name for it. It's called Buy One, Give One. And, and I said, okay, so what would that look like? And she said, actually, the words she used was that she said, well, imagine you go down to Harvey Norman and you buy a plasma TV. And I go, whoa, 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 hang on a second. If I go to Harvey Norman to buy a TV, they're not going to give me another one. That's to buy one, give one. And she said, you, you're not understanding this. She said, you, you, you go there on account of how you want better vision. So how would it be? If when you did that, you bought that TV, something great happened, like, for example, somebody who could not see got the gift of sight just as a result of that. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> and then she continued, you know, or imagine all of the coffee that's being sold right now, being drunk. And imagine if every time someone had a cup of coffee in the restaurant, imagine if a child could get access to water just as a result of that. Or imagine someone you know, buys your book and when they do that, a tree gets planted. And like, oh my God, that's, that's game changing. Right? And, um, and it was very captivating for me. And I said, you know, can I be your mentor for the rest of your life? And she eventually agreed to that. <laughs> and uh, so since uh, 2007, uh, B1G1, as it's now called, has been where I spend, you know, I'm theoretically the chairman of B1G1, but uh, it's such a huge initiative now because it took us three years to figure out how to do that. I mean, it sounds pretty simple. Let's see, from a logistical point of view, that's massive undertaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as we, as uh, today, I, I, I looked this morning, we're at um, uh, 175 million uh, giving impacts from all of the people can you please explain for the for those audience what that means? What is a giving impact? 
Well, giving impact could be, uh, for example, as simple as a, a kid getting access to water. That could be uh, a giving impact or a giving impact. In fact, it would be multiple. In this case, it's when a family might get a goat to, to you know, for uh, to develop sustainable income or it could be, you know, any one of those things. But there's algorithms that we have yeah. to kind of measure the value of that. Yeah, cause, because the fundamental thing that we thought about back in 2007. It's almost like you're an accountant or something. Well, yeah, it's a really <laughs> interesting, it's a really interesting twist, right? Because up until that point, giving was all about how much you gave. And, and, and we, we figured, no, it shouldn't be. It's a different level. Yeah, it should if be. Do, if you do something that fundamentally changes the whole system, you sit higher impact. Yeah. That's right. So it should be all about the impact. So then we develop all of this thing to measure impacts. Um, and, you know, it also, we said it, it should not be, you know, and these things have a place, of course, like charity balls and so on and so forth. But if you think about charity balls, uh, then, you know, they're, they're kind of okay. But the question that we asked is, do they change your life? And the answer is no, they don't. They, you know, they're just a one day thing. Whereas we figured that this needed to be an habitual process, right? So habit is a very important word. And you know, working as you do, that, uh, and with the businesses that you are privileged to serve, um, you know that it's not one big hit that changes everything. It's this habitual stuff, these little tiny things that you do habitually. And we think that giving is the same, and that's why. Uh, in B1G1, you can give from one cent, seriously, from one cent, and when you give, 100% of the giving goes, right? So, and you can do that habitually. You can say, for example, you know, every time we send an email, you know, this, this is what happens, or every time we connect on LinkedIn, or every time someone buys our premium product, or every time you know, we take a phone call, or whatever it is you want, and you're in total control of that, and you can match that, to a whole bunch, I think about 700 or so um, high impact projects around the world. So you can match that. And how then as a result of that- The operating costs of the business of work. So you how do the operating costs of B1G1 work? Do you, have you funded all that development? Oh no, that's, that's, very, that's very simple too, because we, we wanted to be really transparent. We didn't want to do this whole thing where we said, you know, X percent comes off the top. You know, every time you give, you know, 20% or whatever the number is comes off the top. And we didn't want to do that um, because it's really not transparent. In fact, a lot of people say, you know, give us the money. Like you go onto charity sites, donate, 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 donate. That's where it is. But no one ever tells you how much actually goes. They don't. They, they, no. well, some some do, very few. That That's true. Some do. I got to, I've got to be clear. Some do. Um, so in B1G1, we thought, well, how are you going to do that? And we said, well, why don't we create a membership model uh, where people pay to be a part of B1G1? Well, not very much. It's a dollar a day for tiny companies and uh, a US dollar a day. And, and what if when they did that, they not only became a member of this, you know, this really interesting tribe, if you will, but what if we gave them a whole host of tools that that would transform their business at the same time, and so so there was, there was a great sort of value exchange, if, if you like, and that's what's uh, that's where the model started, and that's where the model is today. And there's that final little piece of it, by the way, 
Uh, so we've got impact and then we've got habit. And At the same time, you're impacting the small businesses with edu- education. What, what do you mean by tools? Because this sounds a whole extra layer we didn't even, I didn't even know was about beyond G1. Yeah, well, there, there's very simple tools like, for example, we, uh, we track. Uh, let's think about the giving for a minute. We track the giving. We track literally every cent. And so what that means is you can very simply, it's so simple, you can have your map of your giving on your site uh, so people can see, you know, the, 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 the presence that you have in the world. There's various counters. We, we check everything back against the sustainable development goals. So you can have these sustainable development goals and counters there. So, and the reason we do all of that, by the way, there's much more, but the reason we do all of that is because of that third element of B1G1 which is connection because, you know, what we think is that this is and the moment we say that people go, Oh, you mean connection to our customers and our prospects? Yes. But we really mean connection to you as a human being because what we know, and, and it's not just that we know it. I mean, it's like, it's there now. It's this massive trend where, um, where people in business and 90% of people in the world are in business, by the way, where, all of us now, all of the data says that we're all searching for more meaning and more purpose. We, you know, if you look at, I was doing some work yesterday thinking about millennials as a, for example, the much maligned millennials, right? Not even millennials. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, if you think about it, um, we were, or even the baby boomers, you know, like, mm. we, we, were the, we, were the, we were the first generation um, in the, in the developed world at least, that was born that had everything. We had everything. Everything was there. I mean, you know, think about it. We've got, you know, four-year-old kids who have iPhones, right? So, you know, we've we have everything. And so, and then all of a sudden we we realize that those 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 silver bullets that we thought, you know, those those or shiny silver things, you know, the shiny tools that we could get. Oh, I've got to have that, gotta have that. And then we get it and we realize it doesn't really change it. And so that's why the part of the reason why there's this huge search now for meaning and purpose. And, and so certainly that's true, um, uh, very much true now in millennials, but very much true everywhere. I think that all of us in business know that there has to be a bigger reason than, than ourselves for doing this, right? There has to be. Yeah, I, I was listening to um, uh, one of our idols right now, a guy called Paul Polman, um, who uh, turned Unilever into an amazingly sustainable business. He's regarded as the most sustainable leader on the planet. He just resigned from Unilever a couple of months ago, but, but he's a friend of ours. And, you know, he, he's just an awesome company. And, and he, was, he was saying in this particular interview with Bloomberg, he said, look, he said, we're one of the 2%, 2% of people who are lucky enough to have grown up with a full education. Only 2% of us, right? which means 98% of us didn't have that. Right? So he said, once you realize that, you realize that the 2% has a kind of a duty to the 98%. Uh, not to give them handouts. No, no, no. It's not about handouts, but to give them hands up, if you will. And so once, and I'm sure that's true. And I'm, uh, you know, I think that most of the people that I meet, 
comes back to that whole teach a man how to fish. He can fish for life. Yeah. The amount of fish he can. And most of the, yeah, exactly. And most of the business owners that uh, until being on G1, you know, I think we all felt that as well, but it was always challenging, right? If you were a small to medium scale business owner, you were, you were concerned about, you know, growing the business, making it thrive and all of those kind of things. That's what you were concerned about. But deep down, you knew that there had to be something else, but, finding that something else wasn't that easy. You know, you had to go find this charity and that charity and all of those sorts of things. It was difficult, right? Huh. Um, and so B1 Jim one comes along, you go, ah, all of a sudden, it's, uh, it's so easy. In fact, just before I came online with you, I was talking, oh, there was an email that came in from uh, a lady uh, uh, named Emma, who runs a company in Melbourne called Riff Raff and Co. And uh, she's, yeah, she's, she does great things. And we, I was just talking with her earlier this morning on email about her giving, which is really great. And, and she, she made the point, just right on the last line of remarks, she said, you know, I just want to say thank you for making this so easy. And, and you know, it is. And so we, you know, I feel uh, very, very privileged to be able to do uh, what I do. And, and that's not, you know, some sort of holier than thou thing. That's not what that's meant to be. It's meant to be that each and every day, you know, I'm, I'm involved with people who are just doing awesome things in our world. Something I've noticed about you, that you always seem to have this sprite of energy that, again, a lot of people of your age would say, <laughs> too old, I can't do this. There's a million excuses. Even people my age or slightly older than me start to get old. What yeah, well, you've you know, you know You've now worked out, right? You've gone nineteen. You've gone nineteen forty-three, and you go. Hang on, if he was in February nineteen forty-three, he's got to be seventy-six. But it's actually November nineteen forty-three, so I'm still officially. In my You're about two years older than my own dad. There you go. That's how it out. So seventy-five is the number, and and uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I um, like you, uh, Josh. I I have this innate curiosity, right? like, how does this work? How do we do all of those sorts of things? And so I think that's really important that we always have that, 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 you know, that amazing, literally curiosity, like, wow, it's amazing. I mean, you know, I, I pick up an iPhone, for example, right? And I, and I just, and I scroll like that. Hmm. That's amazing. How does, how did that happen? And I was, uh, I, I don't watch uh, movies that often, but I was, uh, uh, it was a rainy night here in Singapore, and uh, we decided to watch um, a thing called First Man uh, with uh, uh, Ryan Gosling. And uh, uh, it was the story of, uh, by the way, not a very good film. Um, it's called First Man, and, and it's, you know, it's a bit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was thinking about the technology that I had back then, and, you know, and we got more in here than, than they had right now. And we, that will continue. We have more power in the palm of our hands than the President of the United States did 10 years ago. Exactly right. And, and what do we use it and, for? <laughs> yeah. And that just, uh, that just stuns me. And it also, uh, like this morning, just, just before we came on, I, I had a mentoring call uh, with uh, someone I mentor in, in the US, actually in Miami, a guy called Antoine. And, uh, and, and it turned out that my call was, was supposed to be at 6.50. I always do things at odd times, 6.50. I 
uh, this morning in Singapore. Why is that? And oh, why six fifty? And so why 650? I, I go. Well, I do. Let me tell. You, I go fifteen, ten, twenty, forty, and fifty. Odd times. And reason is just taking a tangent. The reason is, if I said, uh, "Now you're good at it," but if we say, "Well, why don't we meet?" Most of us, when we we're making appointments, we say things like, "Well, why don't we get together around 10? Did you hear the word "around"? Mm -hmm. And and it's because we know that there's a great chance that we're going to be late because that's who we are, right? So, and sometimes we forget this element, this crucial element of of human beingness or sellingness, if you like, which is trust. And so let's say I said to you, well, why don't we meet at 10 or around 10? And so I My get there three minutes past 10. Yeah, three minutes past 10, exactly. And, and, and you know, you, you may not come out and say you're late, but think about this. This is actually the conversation this morning. Um, I, actually, uh, I actually emailed Antoine uh, about an hour before the call and said, on time, I'm just going. I'm, I'm, I'm running about 12 minutes late, so I'll, I'll you know, be so. So when we got on the call, my, the first words out of my mouth were not the words that most people use. Most people would use this. Oh, I'm really sorry, I'm late. You know, and, and I, I don't think we should ever say that. So what I actually said to Antoine was, "Thank you for your patience." And, and he said, oh, Paul, he said, that's amazing. Because I remember when I first met you, you know, three years ago, you, you, four years ago, you were saying, you know, thank you for your patience. Never say, I'm sorry. And he said, I do that the whole time now. And he said, it's, uh, it's like a game changer. And the reason it's a game changer is because straight away you get into gratitude. You just get that. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you for your patience. Um, and that's the other element, I think, of the smiles. You know, when you look around, I mean, how could I... I love that reframe. Yeah, you know, how could you not be grateful? I mean, I, you know, right out there is a, is a, a reservoir and, a, and a, a park that I'm very happy to run around every every weekend, um, and it's amazing, you know. So, so you, yeah, it's very hard not to do this. It's very hard not to thank the bus driver who stops for you and say, hey, thanks for stopping. It's very hard not to say to the cab driver who might come and pick me up to take me to the office in a moment or two, say, hey, thanks for coming to pick me up. And, and you know, thanks once you get into that thing, all of a sudden, it, it just becomes, you know, a better place. And other people go, oh, you know, that's interesting. You know, so, yeah. You I said you exercise a fair bit as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Try to anyway. It's difficult when I travel, but it, yeah, it's uh, uh, so I, anybody says, what do you use? Right? So I use the thing called, here's a big plug, a shameless plug. It's called 8Fit. It's really good. Okay. Um, you don't need to buy the food that they recommend. You just need to do the exercises. It's very cool. That's a very good question. What is your diet like whilst you're at home and whilst you're traveling? My diet? Uh, well, I'm veggie. Uh, okay. So, uh, um, and Was that a change at some point? Spiritual belief or anything. No, it's just because it makes sense, uh, at least for me. Um, and uh, uh, that's not to say, you know, and there's all sorts of people who, you know, go on. Biodiversity, et cetera. Yeah, I would tell you that, you know, it's the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, commitment you can make to climate change is not even make because of all, you know, all of that stuff, right? Mm. It's all out there. But no, it makes you feel good. That's what I'm saying. I'm seeing yeah, the result of what's coming through with you. I'm like, okay, what decisions is this? Yeah, plus it helps, me, it helps me keep my teeth as well, which is kind of interesting. I don't have to chew through stuff. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, so you eat veggies when you travel, and I guess that makes it a bit easier to find choices when you're traveling yeah. to Australia, etc. More and more now, and more and more now, you know, there's uh, there's always vegetarian menus and all of that kind of stuff, you know. So yeah, really cool. In fact, um, when you and I met, right, we, we met um, down there in Melbourne, and uh, uh, someone was talking about, uh, I think it was Jenny Junkier, was talking about, you know, businesses at scale. And one of the businesses she spoke about was a company that I'd never heard of before because I, you know, I've been living in Singapore for 11 years. Uh, and the, co the company was grilled, as in G R I L. It's massively in Australia. Yeah, well, I looked them up. I looked them up. And, you know, they started five, five years ago, they had five stores. Today they got 125, right? Now, what's really interesting about it, and by the way, when you, when you go and have a, have a look at their menu, which is really exciting, there's a vegetarian thing, and they do that very, very well. And, of course, they have this thing called local matters, where they actually, you know, give the food in a really interesting way. And, and Jenny mentioned, you will remember, um, in, her, uh, in, in her great presentation that day, she had, remember those eight steps for scaling? And she, she said, what's common about these people? What's common about grill? What's common about, uh, um, what's called? Um, Long group. Uh, and, and a couple of other ones. And, uh, and didn't take people too long to figure out, oh, what's common is, oh yeah, they, they give back in some way. Right. Yeah. And she said, yeah, in fact, when you check it all out, that's actually, the, in fact, that's the first element of how to scale. And the moment you do that, I think it's like leadership, you know, it's, it's like leadership. You've got, you've got to figure out that lead, leadership is, is, is not about you. It's about you serving others. That's what it's actually about. And the moment you get that, uh, the moment you get, that your company isn't necessarily about what it does. You know, your 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 company is about making a difference in people's lives and 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 our world. And the moment you get that, all of a sudden things start to change. So when people look, for example, at B1G1 and they go, "Wow, that's such a smart way to give," which it is, right? It really is. But there's this undercurrent which is really interesting because after they've been doing this for a while, they come back to us and they say, you know what, this is really interesting. We say, oh, what's interesting? They say, oh, this has transformed our enterprise. He said, really? That's a huge call, right? Why would you say transformed? And, and they say, because, this is what they do, because it shifts the spirit of the business. And just think about that. And just think about if that was something that we could do universally, right? What a hell of a difference that would make in our world because as I said earlier on 90% of us are in business it doesn't mean we own businesses but it means we turn up we 90% of us are right? people employed by a small business or somehow involved yeah. with small business well, yeah, yeah, was yeah. that in an intended consequence or did it happen as a surprise to you oh that was like a surprise I think it was yeah we, we didn't see that uh, you know it, it wasn't how can I put it? It wasn't at the forefront of our thought. Um, you thought it may have happened or was it just totally, it's, it's something that may... No, well, we were, <laughs> it was funny actually. Uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that I talk about, it's just so funny. Uh, I, I, I talk about that it's so easy for entrepreneurs, particularly people starting businesses, to fall in love with the wrong thing. Because what do you mean fall in love with the wrong thing? 
And, and what is so easy for us to do is all of us is to fall in love with our products and our services as opposed to falling in love with the people who use them. Right? And the moment you make that shift becomes really interesting. And so uh, about a year ago, we were sitting around in B1G1 and we had a new team member coming on. We said, you know, it's very important we all use the same language. So let's talk about seven things that B1G1 does. And we go, you know, you can give from one to ten. You can match the giving to, you know, to your customer. You can, you know, 100% goes, you know, da, da, da. You're always in total control. You trade. There were seven things, right? And, and then one of our team members, Sue, was uh, there that, that day, decided, you know what? She's, her name is Sharon. And Sharon's 26 years old. And what she did, she decided, oh, that's pretty cool, but why don't I get on the phone and just call customers and see what they say? And we didn't know what she was doing. Seriously, we didn't. <laughs> she's calling the customers and she's saying, you know, we just had this meeting and we did this, but what did you say when you talk to others? And people, the, and then she built this word cloud thing, you know, as to what people said and thing. And you see it coming out of the word cloud and there it is on the word cloud. Transformed our business right, right there. And we thought, wow, how cool is that? <laughs> so it, it was something of a surprise, I have to say. But uh, I mean, it was it kind of, it, it was a lovely surprise. That's amazing. I'm back. There right. you go. You have to let the people in, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're back. Is that uh, someone at the door? Sorry. There you go. That, that proves you this is live, right? There you go. Live and authentic and raw transforming the business through this stuff. So, so tell us more. I'm, I'm, do we have any measurable results of what kind of the businesses have changed that work with B1G1? Well, I mean, I, I, I can think of one right off the right off top, which actually is a, uh, a dentist. Um, and um, this dentist, uh, and I, I think he's like a poster child for what actually happens, right? And so he said, um, this, this place used to be like a revolving door. It was really, really challenging for us to keep people and so on and so forth. So he said, then what we did once we joined B1G1, we changed our hiring uh, procedures. And what we would do is when we, you know, we were asking the questions and all that kind of stuff, and he said, then what we do is we show them what we're doing at B1G1. And he said it was really interesting because we got two response, two sorts of responses. The first response was, oh, that's really nice, right? Not necessarily in this order, by the way, but one of the responses was, oh, that's really nice. And the other response that they got through the hiring process was, oh, my God, I would so love to be a part of that. Now, have, have a guess which people they hired, right? The people who want to be a part of it because they've driven with the cause of business. And, and as a result of that, it shifted the whole business, right? And you know, I mean, Josh, you know the stats, right? The, 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 the latest Gallup uh, poll. I mean, this is staggering. I, when, I, when I think of these stats, it's like, seriously? There has got to be something wrong with the polling. But apparently not, right? Um, the latest stat, and, and there's, there's a variation in the stats depending on who does it, but it's somewhere between 83, have a listen to this, 83 and 87% of team members in companies in, in Australia are disengaged. Think about that. Think about that. Which means, let, let's, take, let's take the lower number, which means only 17 out of 100 
like 1.7 out of every 10 are actually fully engaged, thrilled to be there, you know, more of that sort of stuff. These are average numbers. That's one and a half out of every 10 people you see on the street. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to work, oh, yeah, I'm coming home, right? I mean, it's hard to believe when you hear it's put like that, but then when you look at, you're going out in the cities and you're just seeing the looks of people's faces coming into work yeah. and see the energy just, just drained. But you can, and you could, you could say, I mean, there's several ways you could do that, right? You could look at the 83 or 87 out of every 100 and say, oh, you know, you're, you're terrible, right? Or you could Why? look at it well, and say, hang what exactly? What sort of enterprise are we creating here that makes people feel that way? Like, what's the enterprise? What, what is it? And what if we could create an enterprise which is a little different? Um, we sometimes describe it as as a family business, you know. Um, and uh, it's amazing when you flip it around that people really are uh, able to get in tune and just feel part of it. The whole business, by the way, obviously has to have a sense of purpose as well uh, and a sense of purpose that is much greater than, you know, imagine, imagine you turning up this, you know, in the morning and the guy says, you know, let me tell you what we're doing here. We're making big profits here. And we intend to, you know, and that, that, that's it, right? So what do you get from that? You get from that. It's all about them. That's what you get. On the other hand, someone says, by the way, take a look at what we're doing with Big Lunch. Oh, how interesting is that? Wow, I'd love to be a part of that. We're profitable to enable us to make the change. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is not about being altruistic. I, I, I love what Paul Pullman says uh, when he says, you know, he says that, sorry, not Paul Pullman, um, uh, Larry Fink from BlackRock. Uh, and, and, and he says uh, the, the, the two have got to work in sync, you know, profit and purpose. He said, purpose is the enabler of the profit. I love that. Purpose is the enabler. So in other words, purpose gets us focused. Purpose gets us on track. And as a result of us being focused and on track and privileged to serve the people that we're serving, boom, I guess what happens? The business grows. Pretty simple. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> it's really incredible. So, Paul, if people want to learn more about this and really join the movement, what can they do? Well, they, they can go straight away to b1g1.com, actually. Uh, so that's, uh, and, and, and some people in, in the United Kingdom, uh, they, they call it Biggie. Uh, so no, it's, it's, it's a letter B followed by the number one, followed by the letter G, followed by the number one, b1g1.com. And uh, had we had more time, uh, Josh, to, uh, to uh, prepare for this, I would have given you a special link. In fact, I'll, if the people, when they come and they mention, they mention this podcast, uh, we'll find something extra special for them. Actually, no one will do. I'll give them the Business Authorities podcast because link because they've come through that. So, guys, oh, I, actually okay. met, okay. I met Paul at an amazing event down in Melbourne, which brought him and a heap of speakers, as we mentioned earlier. And mm. we'll, I'll give you a link. They, it's like $11 or something they get giving credits. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I'm, I'm going to add it if they just just because they they actually uh, you know one of the things we, we talked about during that day uh, is, is this whole idea of actually acting on things right if the power of any idea is only ever in its implementation right so it's it's amazing that we can listen to podcasts it's amazing and we should be grateful for the thought of that but finally we have to go oh maybe I need to do something about that, right so 
b1g1.com is where you go. Love it. Guys, until next time, we'll see you all in the next episode.